Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Let's get into it today. We've been in a series called Not Just Stories. And, uh, you know, after coming out of a 13-week series about momentum in the book of Acts, it was an amazing series, but it was intense. And so I thought, man, I just want to have some, some fun over uh, Christmas season. I want to bring an encouraging word to you. I want to bring you a different vantage point of the Christmas story. And so we've been talking about this idea of not just stories. We're surrounded by all sorts of stories uh, in the Christmas season. How many of you seen Miracle on 34th Street? That was one of the... the the Christmas movies we watched this week. Last night they watched, um, what did you watch last night, honey? Oh, no, it was. It was something. Nine in the museum. That's not very Christmassy. Uh, all right. Uh, we should watch Home Alone. Uh, some of you have not seen Home Alone, and you're weird if you haven't, but it's okay. Uh, you need to watch Home Alone, but we save it for Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, and my wife wanted to watch it early this year because she always falls asleep. And so we turned the movie on, and guess what my wife did? She fell asleep. So anyways, uh, that's great. But come on, the Miracle on 34th Street, what a, what a great story, right? I mean, this guy living in New York, he's Santa Claus, and he sees another Santa Claus who's had too much to drink, and he's acting, acting up, and, and so he beats him up. <laughs> and then uh, he got accused and thrown in jail, Santa's in jail, and, you know, he goes into court, and, you know, the whole point is, is we need to make sure that the belief about Santa Claus is brought, you know, the only way to save Santa is to make sure everyone believes in Santa Claus, and at the end, the guy gets the girl, and it's a happy story. But guess what? It's just a story. None of that is true. <laughs> and we are talking about stories that happened thousands of years ago that actually happened. These things actually happened. They were actually on this earth. They happened in our lives uh, it, it, to impact our lives. These are not just stories. And we're going to talk about, we talked about last week, the Magi and the wise men and how God chose to do something supernatural. I mean, he chose something to do something incredible in, in the heavenlies and the stars, causing as many astrologers have looked back on that, or astronomers rather, and they've gone and looked at that, and they said, man, it, what happened was it was in retrograde, and Jupiter went around a star, and it was just a miracle in the skies. God did that for a bunch of individuals so that they might find God. That's not just a story. God literally altered the cosmos to get their attention. And what we're going to look on today is something very uh, unique in the story. You've heard it before, but let's read in Luke chapter 2, verse, uh, verse 8. And it says this, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior. Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped, in snug, wrapped snugly in stripes of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others and the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth, those with whom God is pleased. When 
the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village. They ran quickly and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. Now we see that this was one incredible um, birth story. This was one incredible uh, way for God to announce the birth of his son, Jesus. And today's day and age, birth announcements are a really big deal. And, you know, 14 years ago, we made a birth announcement for our little Brea. And this is her little ultrasound here. And they say, you can tell that's a girl. I have no clue how. Uh, but this, you can see her little nose there. But And this is our big announcement. It was so creative, wasn't it? You know, yes, that's me in this picture. Um, yes, I used a straightener. Uh, my inspiration was Justin Bieber. And my wife looks exactly the same. And uh, we were four days, uh, she was, and here's little Bray when she was born. And once again, that, that's me. Someone said to me today, like, did your wife go through a divorce and get remarried? Like, that was a joke. Don't worry, she hasn't. I'm saying, you know, you know is that a joke? Do you get it? You guys did not respond well to that joke. <laughs> Meaning she married someone else, haha. Yeah, you guys aren't very funny, whatever. And uh, so this was our, our birth story. Little Bray was born, and she was so cute. I think she was five pounds, six ounces, or something like that. But, you know, gender reveals are a big deal today, and people come up with the most crazy ways. And I thought this would be kind of funny to show you uh, a gender reveal gone wrong. Go ahead and turn my sound up, Harrison. gender it is or how many babies they're having. <laughs> Later on, she shouts, we are not having twins, I promise, look. Well, birth stories are such a big deal, and you know, this was a crazy, pr pretty crazy way for God to announce his son being born on the earth. He caused there to be in the heavenly something supernatural, something incredible in the cosmos. But been the, the incredible thing about this story we read today isn't just what God did, even though it's pretty amazing that God showed the radiance of his glory and pulled back heaven so that these individuals could see the incredible realities of the host of angels that were standing there celebrating the reality of God. But the most incredible part about this story isn't necessarily what God did, but who God revealed this to. It's an incredible reality in this story as we see that last week, as I mentioned, he talked about these, these wise men, these magi. And what we learned was is that these individuals were princes of Persia. They were, they were diviners. They, uh, they were diviners. They were astrologists. They, they actually were workers of dark arts. They, they were not, in our context, people who believed in God. They were not followers of God. They were unbelievers. They were very, very far from God. And yet God went through all of that trouble to get their attention. God wanted to get these unbelievers' attention to let them know, I am coming for you. And in this story, we see that these individuals that heard the story, 
these end of stories wasn't, it was, God didn't announce it to rich people or famous people or, or, or people who were popular or social influencers or people who, did, who necessarily, quote unquote, by the world standards, deserve to learn about this reality of God. That night, God revealed himself to a bunch of shepherds. It wasn't the palace, it wasn't the king, it wasn't Herod. It wasn't Jerusalem or the priests, high priests or the priests or those who were religious and had it all figured out. It wasn't even Bethlehem where the baby was to be born. The people that, that God chose to reveal himself to were a group of anonymous sheep herders who were literally living on the outskirts of Bethlehem. And according to societal norms, these individuals did not belong and they did not deserve to hear the message of Jesus. These individuals were considered religious outcasts. They had to work seven days a week so they could never go to the, to the temple and do the ceremonial washing that they had to do. And they would never be able to go and do the rituals that they had to do in the temple. Therefore, they were not allowed to be in church. Anyone ever felt that way before? They were not allowed to walk in the doors. Because they were not allowed to be there because they were considered unclean, unceremonially unclean. And these individuals never were able to do all of these good things in order to make them right with God. And so these individuals were looked at as, as outcasts and they were absolutely social misfits. They would go from place to place and looking for new territory for their sheep to be able to graze. And when they would walk on the scene, individuals would look at them and think, these guys are not trustworthy. We don't know them. And in fact, if there was a crime that was done right in front of them, the, if they were the witness to a crime, no one would take their account as truth because everyone believed that shepherds were liars. So here we have these individuals. They're, they're, they're rejects of society. They're, they're, they're people who were considered ceremonially unclean, not fit to be in the temple, not fit to be in the house of God. They didn't do the right things. They didn't say the right things. They didn't act the right way. They didn't look the part. These were the types of people that God chose to reveal himself to. There was a culture in that time that would think that this information and this idea that God would reveal himself to these people, the idea that God would show up to these type of people was absolutely unheard of and unexpected. And you can imagine that these shepherds felt that rejection. They most likely recognized that as they were playing this role of a shepherd, that it meant that they were not allowed to go to church and they weren't allowed to be around Christian people, religious people. That they probably impacted their identity and the way that they thought about themselves. That, that, that man, I'm just not good enough and I haven't gone through the right motions and I haven't attended church enough and I haven't got my life right enough. And man, I, I, I curse sometimes and so that means I can't be a Christian or man, I've done wrong things or I've made mistakes or I've fallen short. That means I'm not allowed to go in the atmosphere of God because I am an outcast and a reject. And why would God even care about me? Why would God even ever reveal himself to me? Why would God ever show up to me? I'm a nobody. I'm a broken. I'm a sinner. I'm far from God. I spent most of my life doubting in God. Why would God ever care to reveal himself to me? Does God even know that I'm here? Does God even want to welcome me? Maybe you're here today and you're watching online. You're in the room today and you feel like that or felt like that. Man, I know that I've actually walked into church environments and felt like I am absolutely unwelcome. And I feel that way, not necessarily because I'm unwelcome, but because there's something in my mind. There's a narrative in my mind that says, I am not good enough. 
Well, there's a mindset of mine that, man, I am just so, I'm so far from God. The mistakes that I've made in my life. I can tell you of times when I would sit in church and the mistakes that I had made throughout the week, the things that I had done wrong, the things that I had seen, the things that I had said, the lifestyle that I had lived at one time. I remember sitting there thinking to myself, why would God ever want anything to do with a terrible, disgusting, broken person like me? We live in a culture today of people who feel like this is how God sees them. In a world where even we have a religious, in, in an out group where there's a religious people and they've got their lives together and they're perfect and then there's me. And then there's my life and there's the way I live and there's the, the things that I do and the mistakes that I make and there's no way that I could ever be in a relationship with God. There's no way that I could ever be in a relationship. There's no way that I could ever be accepted in the house of God. There's no, no, because I am a social misfit because I don't fit the culture because I don't fit that environment. Or maybe you're here today and it's, you, maybe you feel like you've been rejected for what you believe in. Maybe around Christmas time, I know about you, that when we get around Christmas time, around your family and friends, oftentimes if you're a follower of Jesus and you get in an environment where they're not followers of Christ, it could be a bit of a challenge. If Maybe they're ready to party and you just don't party and you're like, man, I just don't do that and it creates friction and they look down on you or maybe it's at your job or maybe it's in your life or maybe there's been friction in your relationship with your family or your friends and you find that they're rejecting you or they're looking down on you or maybe they see you from religious vantage point of self-righteousness and think that men man, you just aren't good enough, or man, you're just a screw-up, or you just don't do a good enough job. This is the reality of how we feel, and this is the reason why. Because God has wired us to, to have a desire for acceptance. God's wired us, and what happens is, is that the enemy who wants to attack our soul, the enemy who wants to attack our lives, capitalizes on this need in us for acceptance, this need to be accepted by God, this need to be accepted by others. And what happens is, is that often we feel rejection, and we feel disconnected, and we feel far from God, and we feel far from other people, and we feel like no one can know the real me behind this facade. Nobody can know what I'm really struggling with. No one can know that I made that mistake. Nobody can know that I've come from that past. No one can know that I went through that divorce. No one can know that I used to look at pornography. No one can know that I used to take drugs. Or no one can know that I'm just a religious person when in reality on the inside, I am broken, I am hurting. Why would God ever want to show himself to me? This is a reality of our culture today, a reality of many people even in this room today where you are absolutely putting on a role or a part or projecting yourself in a way that isn't broken and isn't hurting when in reality, that's exactly what God wants you to be. The Bible says that God doesn't want sacrifices and offerings. He wants a broken and a contrite heart. Right where you are, right in the, the situation you're facing, the, what you're up against right now, the, the, the life that you're living right now. Yes, the, the, when we serve God, there's things that God begins to change in us. and begins to transform us. And yes, there's an alignment to his word, of course. But I want you to know today that God came to earth for who you are right now. And look what happened in the scripture. You need to understand something. This story today is for you. It is in the, in, for me, in the, in the context, the, the context of God pulling back heaven and these shepherds seeing the vast armies of angels. And it said that God revealed the radiance of his glory 
It was in that context which God moved, in the context of brokenness, in the context of rejection, in the context of people who weren't good enough and didn't play the part and were misfits and were were religious outcasts. It is in that context that God pulled back the heavens and said, let me reveal myself to you. Look what he says in this scripture. He says, don't be afraid. Look at this. I bring you good news. I didn't bring it to this person. I didn't bring it. I brought it to you. I brought you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Look at this. And you, you will recognize him. And you will find a baby. The angels are saying, listen, God came for you. He didn't just come for the person who's got it all figured out. He didn't just come for the person who's been living the part. He didn't just come for the person who has the money or is famous or fortunate. He came for you in your brokenness and in your lostness. He came for you, for you and for me in our brokenness and our loss. And what he did was he lifted the perspective of these shepherds. And he says, I came for you. I came for you personally. Yes, I came for the world, but I came for you personally. I want you to hear God's heart towards you today that despite where you are right now, despite where you have been on your journey, today, this message is for you. God came for you. God wants a relationship with you. God wants to break through in your life. God wants to break through in your heart. God wants to bring transformation in your mind. God wants to heal your marriage. God did that today for you, not tomorrow, today. He wants to do this in your life. And it's interesting to consider he came for us, broken us. Look what Paul said about this, 1 Corinthians. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the bright and the best. (laughs) I don't see many of the bright and the best among you. Not many influential. There's not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses and he chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of these somebodies that makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God everything that that you that we have right thinking right living a clean slate a fresh start comes from God by the way of Christ Jesus he's saying this listen it's not like you had it all together when he found you It's not like the whole point of this whole journey is that God says, okay, be perfect, behave, or else. No, he says, you can't blow your horn before me. I saved you. I came to you. I found you. I transformed you. Yes, does God lead us to transformation? Yes, does God change us? And yes, does our life align to his word? But listen, I need you to hear me today that when God comes to you, he's not coming to you so that you'll be perfect. He's coming to you that he can love you and change you, transform you, make you new, love you, care for you. Look what it says in Psalms 27. You've always been right there for me. Don't turn your back on me now. Don't throw me out. Don't abandon me. Look at this. You've You've always just kept the door open. Even when I went out, did my own thing, man, I always came back and me, man, he always leaves the door open for me. He's always expecting me to return to him. He's always expecting me to run back to him. Look at this. My father and my mother walked out and left me. They, everyone else has completely rejected me, but God, he took me in. See, this is what God does for us. And he's always right there. And he's always had the door open. And he knows your innermost fears. And he knows your innermost concerns. And he knows exactly what's going on in your life. Look what Isaiah 46 says. I love this. I am your God 
and I will take care of you until you are old and your hair is gray. Some of you are right there right now. <laughs> I made you and I will care for you and I will give you help and I will rescue you. I am here to say this to you today. This is why God came to earth to restore us back in a relationship with him so that he can be our God, so that he can take care of us, so that he can, he can care for us and help us and rescue us. That's why God sent his son and he came to a bunch of broken, nobody, worthless people and said, I did this for you. God literally opened the heavens for these guys. The radiance of the Lord's glory was surrounded them. Wow. Ah, don't you think that if that happened to you, that would be pretty darn life-changing? Look at this. A vast host of others. The armies of heaven. Oh, my gosh. God opened the heavens for these guys. He literally revealed his glory to them. And that day, the shepherds learned that God did not come to condemn us for who we are. He, come to, he came to give us life and life abundantly and to change us, and to transform us, and to, and, to, and to be more like him. It's interesting to consider that every other religion, every other religion requires us to go to God. Every religion requires us to get ourselves right and go to God. Following Jesus is the only religion, if you can call it that, I call it a relationship, <laughs> but the only religion where God came to us. The Bible says, you didn't first love God. God first loved you. Yes. It's the only relationship. Well, every other God's a false God, so he's the only real God. But for the sake of the argument, can I say it? He's the only God that came to us first. Yes. And he's the one who created it all. He's the one who created you and me. He's the one that deserves all the glory. He's the one who's holy. He's the one who's righteous. He's the one who's above and beyond all that we can ask or think or imagine. He is the one, yet he chose to come to us and to lay down his life for us and to come and die on a cross for us and to, be, to rise on the third day for us. This is the only religion or the only walk with a real God where God comes to meet with us. But I want you to understand something. When God comes to you, there is a response that we must have. That's very fascinating about the scripture is that because of this, these shepherds responded. When they accepted the, when they received the acceptance of God, just where they were, right there, God said, I love you as you are. Yes, am I gonna transform you? Yes, are the things I'm gonna adjust? Yes, do I have a better life for you? Yes, but right now, I'm meeting you right now today, just where you are. And these, these guys had to respond. They had to make a decision. Am I gonna respond to God showing himself to me? Look what it says in the scripture. It says, they said, man, when the angels left, let's go. Let's see. And they hurried. They rushed. They literally left their entire livelihood behind them. They had sheep in their primary role in life. Their whole life was centered around this one job. They slept out there. They ate out there. They lived out there. They skipped the, the, the religious duties to be there. Everything in their life was surrounding being a shepherd. And when they met Jesus, they said, I will no longer give my life to this. I'm going to follow after Jesus. 
There was a response in that moment. These guys responded. Their perspective was changed. They no longer saw themselves as they once saw themselves. God began to change their hearts and change how they saw their lives and change how they saw their future. God's got a bright future for me, a plan to prosper me, a plan to benefit me, and I'm gonna serve God, and I'm gonna give my life to him. And they had to make a decision. They had to give up the familiar for the supernatural. They had to give up something in their life. They say, okay, I'm going to drop this. I'm going to drop it all, and I'm going to go after Jesus. See, that's what we learn about this story, is that following Jesus does require us to drop some things. Following Jesus requires us. In this season, this is my biggest prayer. And I even sat with my children yesterday and said, guys, let's not forget that this is about Jesus and not just Jesus coming to me, but me saying, Jesus, what am I willing to do for you? I want to encourage you in this season to ask yourself this question. What are, well, maybe there's something in your life that you need to drop in this season. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for so long that you've forgotten what it was like when he first opened the heavens and met you. What is God asking you to drop in this season? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's an unhealthy relationship or an attitude or maybe it's a way of thinking or perspective or maybe it's just an area of doubt that you've been struggling with a God and you're saying, you know what? I'm just gonna let that go and I'm just gonna drop everything and I'm just gonna go for God. What is it that you're going to drop in this season? Look at the scripture in the parable, Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is talking about what the kingdom of God is like. Look what he says, Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In its excitement, he did it again and sold everything that he owned to get enough money to buy that field. The kingdom of God is like somebody stumbling upon the God opening up the heavens and revealing himself. And they said, oh my gosh, this is more important than anything in my life. When I met Jesus, I sold everything and I wanted to buy, I want to go all in for God. Amen. And I want to tell you today something beautiful about serving God is that when you give your life to Jesus, his way is so much better than your way. God's word and God's life and God's way is so much better than ours. He wrote the instruction manual on how to live our life, and sometimes it doesn't make sense, and sometimes it's a bit frustrating, but I want you to know God's way is so greater than our way. Look what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ. For his sake... I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. What Psalms 139, or 39, 19 says, what a stack of blessing you've piled up for those who worship you. I want you to know today that, I want you to hear this, that this is not just a story. This actually happened. And it doesn't just happen for the shepherds. It happens so that you today could be reminded that God altered history. God altered the cosmos. God pulled back heaven to reveal himself to a bunch of broken people who were rejected and lost and broken and need help and need God. And he said, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And what did they do? They said, okay, God, I'm going to drop everything and I'm going to go after you. And the very last thing these shepherds did, the Bible says very clearly, look what it says. It says, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. They begin to tell the story about when they met Jesus Christ. I wanna encourage you today, I believe this. There are people who are sitting around your Christmas table that do not know the Lord 
And if you share, tell them your story, they'll find Christ. Everyone was astonished. That's what Jesus came to do. This story was about these shepherds not only encountering God, making a decision to follow after him, but they went out and they immediately began to tell the story wherever they went. They told the story, guess what God did for me, man? I was, I was, I was in a dark place and I was broken and in the gutter and God found me and I was rejected by society and man, I was screwing up in my marriage and I was screwing up in my life and I was in the, in the depths of sin and man, I was rejecting God and I wanted nothing to do with him and he still came and revealed himself to me. He came to my life and guess what? He transformed me and I gave up the old way and I chose God's way and it's changed me and it's transform me and God wants you as well to live an abundant life with him and spend an eternity with Christ forever I want to say it today people in your family and your neighborhood will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ they will hear the message of Jesus and their lives will be changed forever and just as these shepherds were changed those people will be changed too I encourage you this season what is it that God wants you to drop in your life Maybe it's a bad attitude. Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's a perspective. Don't let this season just be about the magic of Santa. Let this season be about the power of Jesus. And as you drop things in your life, all right, Lord, you've been crushing, you've been challenging me on this thing, man. I'm gonna lay this down. God, I'm gonna lay this down and I'm gonna go for you today. Guess what he's gonna do? He's gonna begin to give abundant life. He's gonna fill the areas in your life. He's gonna be to fill your heart and your mind with peace and joy and life. He's going to give you the boldness and the courage to share your faith this season and share the story about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Amen. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I just want to pray for you as we end our time together today. Come on, would you just close your eyes for a moment? Come on, anybody in the room today, just say, man, I don't know Jesus. I'd like to have a relationship with him. I like to ask this every week for anyone in the room who says, you know what, I'd like to start a journey with God. If that's you, just real quick, wave your hand in the air so I can see you. Anybody in the room today want to give a lot, their life to Jesus Christ? Come on. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come on, anybody online, just in the comments there, you can just say, I want to give my life to Christ. Father, today we just pray, Lord, for every person in the room, God, who's choosing to give their lives to you. So those online who are choosing to surrender their hearts to you. Father, today we say, Father, we want to be like these shepherds. God, we want to remember. We remember, God, what you did for us. We remember the transformation you did in our heart. We remember, God, how you healed us and made us new. And so, Father, today we say, Lord, we want to give up everything for you, God. We want to lay our lives down and surrender to you. We want to take up our cross today and follow you. And, God, I pray that you would give every single person here the boldness to share about you, God. I pray for salvation in their families and salvation in their neighborhoods and salvation of their friends and lost people around them, God, who don't know you. I pray there be salvation in their house, oh God. Salvation of those who are far from you, God. And I pray that in this season, as we deal with, God, all the things that are surrounding with family and friends and loneliness and rejection, I pray, God, that you be present in their life. Be present in their heart. Be present in their minds in this season, God. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts today, and we thank you for an amazing day in your house. In Jesus' name, come on, everybody say it with me. Amen. Come on, if you want prayer today, we have a prayer team that's going to come forward in a few moments. And you say, I just need some partnership. I just want someone to pray with me. So come on down. It's your first time here today. Again, my name is Ryan. It's my wife, Steph. And uh, there's a, a card out there you can grab. And love to get to know you. And 
meet you later. So we love you guys. Come forward if you need some prayer. See you next Sunday as we talk about Mary and Joseph. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.